And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT, back in studio with Bobby Machado as we begin. On Raider Nation, 920 AM, brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Get ready for football, all the promotions, everything that's going to go down at PTs. From the food to the gaming to the sports, they fuel the monologue. And I'm thrilled to be back after a week's vacation, an actual vacation, other than airline travel nightmares. Got me back here a day late because airlines now are in trouble, but we'll save that for a podcast Uh, Good time. I was in St. Augustine, Florida on my wife's side of the family with my sons before they go off to college within a month and played a lot of golf. The weather was great. I left a hundred and something to go to Florida and I didn't have any rain. Lucked out because it was raining a lot before I got there. Had a great time connected with my wife's side of the family, which we needed to do. That was the first time since COVID started, what, 17, 18, 19 months ago, whenever it did. And it's good to be back. And now the next phase for me is getting ready for Canton and Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. And same format here, everybody. I'm looking for Tom Flores calls. We don't got a lot of time left. It's coming up here in August real quick in the first week, at the end of the first week. I need to hear from you on Tom Flores and the impact that he had on your life as a writer fan. Real simple. One of the simplest topics I've ever done on radio. And I don't like to do topic radio. I don't do poll questions. I don't come up with what's your favorite ballpark food. I don't do crap. I take pride in my show. But with Tom Flores, make it simple. Every Raider fan knows what I'm asking. This is Tom Flores' greatest moment of his career. You have something to say about it. I'd like you to congratulate him before the ceremony. So you can do that now at 702-365-9200. It's nice if you can tell a story. We've had listeners tell stories about meeting coach at an airport after a game. They're from the same hometown. You know what the story is. The game that you were at that you remember, what was the game that Tom Flores was involved with as a coach that you remember the most? You know, take it from here. You know what to do, 702-365-9200. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, Russell Baxter, longtime NFL insider and expert on the Hall of Fame, is going to join us. He could only do it here coming up in about 10 minutes. So i got to get him in early in the show. So we'll do that as we open it up. As I was trying to get back here on Monday for vacation from vacation in the Jacksonville airport, my flight got canceled. I was in the middle of chaos with my wife. I decided I was going to fly on my own flight the next day to get home to do the shows and all that. And I got the news that Mark Bedane resigned as the president of the Raiders. It was one of the biggest gut punches of my career, period. I think the world of Mark Bedane, uh, his wife, his family, I've worked with his daughter, My wife and his wife are very good friends, and Mark Bedane has helped me my entire career. He's one of the few people on the Mount Rushmore in the Raiders. Obviously, Mr. Davis, who passed away, Mrs. Davis, Mark Davis, you know how I feel about MD, who I work for, and Mark Bedane was right up there for me. All he's done his entire career was look out for me. That's all he's ever done. So from the dinners and the travel and the plane flights and everything, Uh, I owe Mark Bedane as much as I owe anybody with my time with the Silver and Black. And this will be my 23rd season 
with the Raiders. Mark resigned after 30 years with the team. A guy who started off picking up people at the airport. It's one of the most successful stories in NFL executive history to go from where he started as an intern to the president of a team. And then over the last year and a half to two years, I haven't seen a guy work harder. Every day he was in meetings with government officials trying to get the stadium done, fighting to get the stadium done, and he pulled it off brilliantly. I think it's the jewel of the NFL. The stadium's unbelievable. And I wanted to open up the show by thanking Mark Bedane for everything that he's done for me. This flagship radio station would not exist without him. We had many conversations about his vision and what he wanted to do with this flagship, which is a work in progress, brand new. We launched the thing right before COVID. I mean, you can imagine what's been going on. And he was a guy that had a vision to do this right because it wasn't done correctly beforehand. As a businessman, as an entrepreneur, what he's done on the ground in Vegas and the amount of hours he worked and he was on television every day, he was talking to everybody and he pulled it off. He pulled off Mark Davis's vision for an unbelievable stadium, and it is here for us to enjoy the rest of our lives. So in my career, I've seen many people come and go with the organization. Unfortunately, several people pass away. Other people move on. Players get traded. Players get cut. Uh, this one's really hard for me. This one's really hard for me because, again, I would not be behind this microphone. I would not be with the team as long as I have been. Again, to, because of Mark Davis, but underneath Mark Davis, Mark Bedane, who gave me the ability to do what I wanted to do with the team and always supported everything I did. Even when I made mistakes, even when I wasn't right, he'd pull me in and he would talk to me because he was a friend, a trusted friend and a mentor and someone I think the world of. So you can imagine how I felt when I got this news on Monday in an airport in Jacksonville, Florida. It was a gut punch. Absolute gut punch. I wish Mark Bedane and his family well. For the reasons that he decided to step away, those are his reasons. I trust that he made a good decision on his point of view from his family. And again, all I could do is wish him well and for him to continue to go on and build this footprint in life as a father and a husband and a friend to many. But yeah, this is a big one for me because uh, what Mark Bedane's done for me. And he is really a big part of my life, on and off the radio, obviously within the Raider organization, and someone who I will dearly miss, dearly miss, because of the impact that he had in my life. You know, when people come and go and people leave and make decisions, they deserve more than 10 minutes on the radio. They really do. And uh, again, if you want to comment on the impact of Mark Bedane and what he had, Look, it was very complex. You can imagine the stress that this gentleman must have been going through as the team's leaving Oakland, and he had to put together a deal and help a deal to build the stadium and relocate, relocate a franchise. Tell me another president in the NFL who's done that at that level and pulled it off it this way. So his legacy with the Raiders is a 30-year legacy of tremendous achievements, and I wanted to acknowledge that as I open up the show. You know, what's really tough about life from a business perspective, just from a business perspective, is people come and go all the time, all the time in your life, whatever you do. I don't know what you do for a living unless you call me. And when you see someone that you care so much about move on, all you can do is wish them well. It's none of your business why they made a decision to leave. No idea, none of my business. All I can do is support my friend. 
and he is a, a great friend. And I wish him well, and I think he'll continue to do great things in life. And the opportunities, as long as I have this opportunity to walk into Allegiant Stadium, represent the Raiders on the radio, I will do my best. And a lot of it came from Mark Bedane and a lot of other people before him who decided to move on or something happened in their lives and they're not in Vegas. They didn't come from the Bay Area. And again, it's a big deal to me. So I wanted to make sure that I covered that as I opened up the show because Mark Bedane is going to have a big impact on your experience inside that stadium and going into that stadium as he was the guy grinding it out along with several other people. I mean, we talk about Tommy White and the construction and all the construction workers who did it. Mark Bedane was the guy going to those meetings every day. Was the guy talking to everybody in the city, bringing people together with the vision of Mark Davis and Mark Davis's vision in Vegas, I believe is a home run that is going to take the city to a greater level than it ever dreamed of being because the Raiders are here. So again, this is not someone I'm saying goodbye to in my personal life, but again, I would not be doing this show from noon to two on top of all my other work if it wasn't for Mark Bedane uh, giving me these opportunities and, and letting me have the opportunities that he would nurture and encourage. And again, I'd go to bat for him and he'd go to bat for me. So uh, you know where I stand. I'm a loyal guy. I'm loyal to my employ- uh, the people that employ me. Uh, I'll run through walls for them. And Mark Bedane was someone that I really enjoyed working hard for because he appreciated it. And he really understood what I was about and what I am about. And uh, I know the same about him. And I am going to miss him dearly going forward. But uh, I wanted to open up the show with that. Number 702-365-9200. There's going to be a training camp coming up here. So we're going to be over next week over at the facility. And we'll get to that on what's going to happen there with the Raiders as they finally get this team together on the field for training camp, which I believe is one of the most important training camps in the history of this franchise. It really is. Because I everything I just talked about, Vegas, Vegas, COVID, everything that's happened last year, missing the playoffs, fans coming in to see Raider games for the first time and to have that experience. There is a lot on the line in this training camp. I'm not calling it a make-or-break training camp, but a lot is on the line with this training camp. And we're going to get into that before Canton, Ohio, and after Canton, Ohio, before the home opener against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. Russell Baxter, the football guru, who knows the Pro Football Hall of Fame as good as anyone, he counts it down every day. Russell, good to talk to you. What is our countdown looking like for Canton? Well, we are um, 15, okay? Two weeks away, uh, tomorrow is two weeks away from the Hall of Fame game, which, of course, we didn't have last year. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have ceremonies last year. And that's why we kind of doubled up this year. We've got the, the centennial class um, that will be on Saturday night. Um, and then the class of 2021, which will be on uh, Sunday night. So it's two days, and it's a total of 28 inductees. I believe some of the ceremonies have already been done um, for the for the uh, inductees that have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be there for the game. I'll be there for the jacket ceremony and certainly for the induction. I can't wait to see. I'll be there for Tom Flores and obviously Charles Woodson getting in from the Raiders' side. But you mentioned the Saturday and Sunday classes. How complex is this to pull off? Because 
I've been to three or four Hall of Fame ceremonies, and they go on forever, and guys know they have to be limited, and they blow through their time allotment. But I'm, I'm sensing that the Hall of Fame is really sticking to the number this year because they have so many legends they have to induct in two days. Right. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, people come to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as you know, to not only see the new class, but to see the returning members. And that's been a big part of what they do when they introduce those returning members uh, up to the stage. They also do that at the jacket ceremony. I don't know if you've ever been to the jacket mm-hmm. ceremony. It's one of the mo- most emotional things uh, football-wise. Uh, it's just a wonderful thing. Um, I've been built, My first class was 1989, J.K., um, Willie Wood, Art Shell, Terry Bradshaw, Mel Blunt. Wow. They still had they still had the ceremony on the steps. They still had the ceremony on Saturday morning, um, and then two two thirty the Hall of Fame game at the stadium, which was a high school stadium, which has now been expanded and so on. I don't know the last time you were there, but Canton has changed a lot. But it, it, listen, it, it is going to be. It's difficult every year. I remember being there. I think the last year I was there. Uh, I was in the press box past midnight yeah. on Saturday night and so on. And, um, you know, so hopefully we'll, we'll see um, what happens. It's, it, listen, you get a moment to thank everybody in your life. You get a moment to thank your family, which I think is almost an overlooked part of what happens Pro Football Hall of Fame weekend. These families, uh, the moms, um, the wives, a lot of sacrifice for, you know, for the, these men to have their careers and so on. And um, you see that reflected. I mean, I love going back there and watching, uh, you know, a player's high school coach, uh, his peewee coach, his college coach, his best friends from school. I mean, it, it, it's just such a, a, an amazing time. They call it the greatest weekend in pro football and it really is. It's really something totally different, and it takes place in a in a smaller town slash city in Canton, Ohio. Um, and the Hall of Fame is is Canton, Ohio, and vice versa. Russell Baxter, follow his website ProFootballGuru.com. The NFL researcher, historian, writer for Fan Sided NFL NFL Spin Zone. You know, I was at the big one. I think that changed Canton in the modern era when Jim Kelly got in. And I was there with George Allen's family. And when that happened, Jim Kelly brought the largest crowd. I don't know if it is to this date. I think it might be because of Jim Kelly's connection and how many people came. And that's when the overflow crowd at Fawcett Stadium before Tom Benson and the naming rights checked over. It was incredible. And now it almost seems like with Peyton Manning and the legends that are getting in, Brett Favre pulled that off, that it's a race to see who's going to bring the most fans for an induction. And I like that because it is a small town. There's only so much room with hotels and limited spaces. And the right legend can bring in a hell of a lot of fans from all over the country. Well, to this day, okay, and I remember, I, you know, I, I had a chance to work with Jim a couple of years uh, at ESPN and so on. And you know, I remember when the game first moved to primetime in 1999 when the Cleveland Browns you know, came back as an expansion team. They moved the game that year. And then Jim went in, which I believe was uh, 2002, I believe it was. And he brought 3,000 of his closest friends, literally brought 3,000 of his closest friends, and that's when they made the permanent move to have it at the stadium. Um, But it was 2005 that 
the thing, I, I saw the most amazing thing that I still haven't seen since going back there. There were n- the year that Dan Marino went in, which is also the year Steve Young went in. By the way, that was a small class. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've never seen one player represented by jerseys more at the Hall of Fame than Dan Marino was that year. I mean, it was seemingly every third person in a huge crowd had a Dan Marino jersey, and dare I say, maybe a pair or two of Isis Hunter gloves. Russell Baxter, the football guru, big part of the history of the Hall of Fame. You know, another story I tell is when I went uh, years ago, I hosted my radio show from the lobby of the McKinley Grand. When it was the yeah, McKinley sure. Grand, before they had the Holiday Inn now and all some of the new hotels. And, you know, Bill Walsh walked by, Don Shula, Al Davis, Jim Brown. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. And I, I got a lot of them on the air. I'll never forget the show. But that small bar in that small hotel and to look over and see all of those gold coats at the bar telling stories. I mean, that's what Canton's about. You can bump into Jim Brown. You can bump into a legend as they're going from one event to another, and it has that small-town atmosphere, even though it's the home of the great Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, I remember being there one year with ESPN, and we were doing some uh, production shoots up near the steps and so on, and my boss told me, listen, that don't let anybody get in the way. <laughs> he told me and another person, don't let anybody get in the way of the shot. So two men kind of walked right into where the shot was going to be. And I turned and I said, excuse me. And it was Gail Sayers and Ray Nitschke. Wow. And uh, I, I looked at the other young man. I said, you tell him. Okay? <laughs> so the only thing going through my head is Ray Nitschke and Bodansky from The Longest Yard. So... Um, obviously it wound up not having an effect and so on, but you're right. The casualness of you can turn around. I remember us having breakfast as a, as a crew one day and, and Harry Carson walked up to us and talked to us for like 20 minutes. And you know, that, that's, it is. It's like, it, it, it's like this wonderland and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, bigger with all the newcomers coming in and so on. I will say this, what, what is also somewhat, um, emotional is going every year, JT, mm-hmm. and seeing legends come up to the stage. And then maybe a couple of years later, they're not able to come up to the stage as easily, if you know what I mean. Sure. You know, the wear and tear has taken its toll and so on. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's, it, it, it's a reminder of, for the players, how physically grueling, uh, especially the players that played, you know, in, in the older errors. And, so, and, and you see, you know, we're seeing to see, um, you know, some of the older players who are, are going in, you know, uh, because of the centennial class, the additional 15 and so on. Uh, so uh, it's, it, it is, it's, it's very striking. It's very striking to be in a room with that much talent and watching guys from different eras embrace men who do it differently than they did it. But the respect is always there. It is really a weekend of respect. Russell Baxter at Bax, B-A-X, football guru. A must-follow if you're an NFL fan. He covers every team in this league as good as anybody. One more thing on the Hall of Fame. Uh, I emceed the Stabler uh, party, at the, the party of his family. And what was interesting is that the, these parties start really late. 
they start really late because the parties mm -hmm. end after the final speaker. And I'm at the party, and I'm on the microphone, and I'm passing the microphone around to Fred Bolitnikoff and Cliff Branch was alive, and everybody's saying a word or two, really nice. And then at 2 in the morning, 2 in the morning, the Steelers walked in to pay respect. So Mel Blunt with his cowboy hat, Franco Harris, and they, a couple of uh, Joe Green walk in because these legends have to leave their own party or leave these other parties and pay respects to the other parties that are in the vicinity, and some of them are spread out. What do you know about this? Because this year, there's going to be parties going off at the same time with some of the greatest names of all time, and people aren't invited. These are closed events, but these legends have to leave at one point and go pay respects to this party. I find that fascinating. Yeah, I also find it fascinating because, as you know, there was no more intense rivalry, arguably uh, over a certain amount of time. Now, I'm not going to compare Bears-Packers and different things like that. Um, for people who don't know this, there's only been one time in NFL history where two teams placed each other in the playoffs five consecutive years, and that was the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Oakland Raiders. And... You want to talk about an intensity and physicality of football that today's fan, and I've been with people who watch the old games sometimes, JT, watching the physicality and the hitting that goes, they're almost wincing. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Okay? You're just not used to seeing that. But there was a respect between the Raiders and the Steelers. That was something special. And some of it got nasty. We know all, you know, oh, we sure. know all those moments and so on. Okay? But, I mean, not only great players in that series, but absolute legendary players. By the way, Mel Blunt and Bobby Bell, I swear to goodness they could still play. Yeah, I say that when every time I see Bobby Bell at the Bolitnikoff event or some other event, he is the largest, most fit, older man I've ever seen in my life with his arms and his shoulders. It's yeah. incredible. We'll, we'll wait and see what Lawrence Taylor looks like at that age and then compare him. Hey, Russell, one more finally. Give me something with football now. One team around the league. Well, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'll save Aaron Rodgers for last. But one team going into training camp that you've been doing a lot of notes on around the league that you're really excited to see because they could have a breakout year. Well, I don't know if it's a, somewhat a breakout year, but I'm going to be fascinated to see what the Vikings do on defense. Okay? Mm -hmm. They completely felt. People don't realize, or some people don't realize, Mike Zimmer's been there seven years. JT, they've yet to be in the playoffs two years in a row. They're as up and down as you can get. And last year, defense, which is really their calling card, they were one of the worst defenses in the league and one of the worst defenses in their team history. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on them because that NFC North. You know, Green Bay's won the last two years. We don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I think we might guess what happens in the next couple of weeks. But does Minnesota rebound and make the playoffs again? They are loaded on offense, okay? For all of Kirk Cousins' criticism and so on, Justin Jefferson, offensive line upgraded a little. Um, you know, solid running game with Dalvin Cook. Whoever thought that we'd have a defensive issue with Mike Zimmer in the Minnesota Vikings? 
And lastly, on Aaron Rodgers in that division, does anything break in the next couple of weeks? He was busy playing golf and big golf, so he had to focus on it. It was a good way for him to hide away from the media, but now the Green Bay media and the national media and the debaters on cable are talking about him almost every other segment. How do you see this playing out? Well, I'd still be stunned if he didn't play for them this year, and I don't know what the future necessarily holds, and you keep on getting these resurfacing stories about contract extensions, which are obviously or reportedly old stories, but they keep on resurfacing again. It's this weird game that's going on between him and the franchise. I will say this, okay, and I'm not, I, I don't have a, you know, a say in this, or I, I'm not rooting for anyone or, or taking anyone's side. To me, what seemed to go wrong, and people, JT, like to make the comparison of Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers waiting in the wings. And remind me of this. When Brett Favre was later in his years with the Packers, he wavered, like, seemingly every year on whether he was going to play. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I think eventually the Packers got tired of that, made the selection of Aaron Rodgers, still let him sit for three years, and then went in a different direction. I think, and I've never met Aaron Rodgers, my guess somewhat is, that Aaron was taken back about the, sele- the selection of Jordan Love because he, as a player, was not making any noise about walking away from the game. And I think that's a big difference in the comparison of the Favre situation and the Rogers situation. Excellent. I will see you in Canton. We'll make yes. sure we connect. And, again, thanks a lot. We'll be counting on you throughout the course of football season, having you on like we always do. Thank you, Russell. See you soon. You got it. Russell Baxter, the football guru, longtime NFL historian behind the scenes for ESPN, a writer, and someone who really cares a lot about the Hall of Fame like I do. It's a real big passion of mine, the Hall of Fame, because uh, being with the Raiders, I've been able to get to know so many Hall of Famers. And what he just said, I did not know that trivia question. The one team that has played each other in the playoffs five years in a row. How did I not know that? Did you know that? The Steelers and the Raiders. You can obviously tell, but I didn't know they were the only team. And now it makes sense, right? Could you imagine the Patriots with Brady every year, five years in a row playing Denver? No, they played Denver a couple of but not in a row, right? It's, it's insanity. And if the Raiders won more of those games than they lost, the Raiders wouldn't have three Super Bowls. They'd have five or six. That's the one thing that people don't get the younger generation now about the Raiders, is that the Raiders played, I was, I was with Pete Banaszek out in Florida. I got to get into that. I know, Bobby, I got to get out for a second. I got to tell this story in a minute. But to tease this story, Pete Banaszek was the most all-time winning percentage Raider of all time at one point. He came out of college from Miami and then played in AFL championship game, Super Bowl two, and won Super Bowl eleven. From the time he came into the league, he retired after Super Bowl eleven, winning the Super Bowl and scoring two touchdowns, retired. The guy barely never lost. And the losses that he had were all critical to the Steelers. If you take away four of those losses to the Steelers, you can seriously talk about the Raiders going from three to six or seven Super Bowls and not be making it up. You know, it's what it could have should have. If you don't win, you don't win. But the Raiders and the Steelers, whoever won that game, was going to win the Super Bowl. Because, look, look at how the Steelers won all those Super Bowls going through the NFC. Raiders would have beat all those teams. So it's crazy what that rivalry was like. 
And as Tom Flores and Charles Woodson go into the Hall of Fame, Peyton Manning, you know, Dallas is playing Pittsburgh in the Hall of Fame game because Bill Cowher's going in and Jimmy Johnson's going in. So they they set up those fans. So this will be, I don't want to say forever because you don't know it's going to happen forever, but when you talk about a turnout for the Hall of Fame, you got the Rocks of the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Cowboys all there. You got Peyton Manning moving a mountain. How many fans does Peyton Manning have? He's going to be there, and then you line up everyone else that's going in. It's a big deal. And, look, Tom Flores waited way too long for this. I'm just hoping on the upside for this, it's worth the wait because he's going to have one of the biggest turnouts in NFL history. And that'll be a lot of fun. And Charles Woodson will be the last speaker to go. And that's good and bad because there are people that get up and leave after the guy talks. And the reason why the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I believe, put Charles last is because he's one of the greatest players of all time, and he'll keep the crowd there. Charles will keep the crowd because it's Charles Woodson going in. First defensive Heisman Trophy winner, Super Bowl champion with the Packers, legend with the Raiders. He's going to be the seventh speaker on Sunday, Sunday night, and he's got a party to host after that. So Charles Woodson's going to get off the stage, take a photo, and get in a limo or a car, and he's going to shoot to his party. And there's going to be a couple hundred people there. There's going to be a couple hundred people at Tom Flores' party, a couple, maybe a thousand people at Peyton Manning's party. This is all happening here coming up the weekend of August 7th. So we're sitting here on July 21st. So this is right around the corner. So, again, what we want to do, yeah, that's the weekend of August 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. I'll be in Canton, Ohio with my wife. And the Raiders, and that's going to be a big event. So that's what we're doing. Looking to hear from you on Tom Flores. I cleared out most of the show today. I got a Packers guest a little bit later on in the show, and then wide open. Got to get my throat muscles going again. But then again, there was some good cervezas. Speaking of cerveza, we are brought to you by Modelo. And where was that story, Bobby? I got to tell you this quickly. We were on a golf course, and they didn't have Modelo's. And we played the golf course four days later. And I brought in a 12-pack of Modelo's. Put them on ice because we love the bucket of Modelo's on a Friday. Modelo, the official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed with a model of what good beer should be. 702-365-9200. I haven't been on for a week. I haven't heard from anybody yet. Let's go. I remember our very first day in the, ever in the history of the Raiders in Santa Cruz, California. There were 11 quarterbacks in training camp, 11. We couldn't even all get in one picture. And uh, now 61 years later, you, you look back and say, wow, look what we've done in, in that time. Look how many ups and how many fun times we've had, how many down times we've had, but we've always persevered. Look what this crazy game has grown to. Uh, look at what the Raiders have grown to. All right, Tom Flores. We'll have a lot of Tom Flores sound bites as he enters the Pro Football Hall of Fame. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Law. SamandAshLaw.com. Because you deserve what's right. My personal injury attorneys, if you get in a pinch and you need the best of the best, it's Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. SamandAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234. One, two, three, four, as we count down to Canton. 
And that's going to be a big deal coming up here. Before we get to the phones, again, number is, if you want to get going, let's move. 702-365-9200. ESPN did a poll. I heard Lewis Riddick talking about this when I was on vacation. They did a poll over the next three years of how they think every team and organization is going to do. And the Raiders came in 28th. 28th, and the Raiders were also graded as one of the worst front offices out there. So my takeaway is this. The national media is giving the Raiders nothing. No respect. They're not even acknowledging them. They're not even doing segments on them. So the national media heading into this year where I believe, and I'm not going crazy, you're not hearing me talk about 11 and 12 wins and Super Bowl, none of that from me. We'll see what they do. They're a better team than they were last year, no debate. they got better players, a lot better players. They had nothing last year on defense. Nada. Nothing. And they've vastly improved the defense. But maybe they need to be more improved. But the point is, nobody at the four-letter, nobody at ESPN, no one at FS1 is even talking about the Raiders. I'm spinning this. And you can say whatever you want. This is the best thing that ever, ever happened to them. There is no chatter. Gruden's going to go into these meetings. I don't know if he's going to have video clips, what he's going to do, but I know Gruden pretty well. And he will use this to motivate this team. Guys like Yannick Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, Max Crosby, Nicholas Morrow, Trevon Merrig, all these guys, Jonathan Abram, are going to be told, no one thinks you're any good. Nobody thinks you're good. They're mocking us. They're mocking Mayock. They're mocking Gruden. They're mocking the entire defense. So this is put up for shut-up time. This should be one of the greatest Raiders camps of all time. You're going to have Gruden in their ear constantly. You're going to have new players with something to prove and a bunch of guys on the clock who are going to be gone next year if they don't show up. They're fortunate. They're fortunate that they're young enough and still have a couple of years left on their rookie deal that they're not getting kicked to the curb. So you got that combination going. And the schedule is everything to me because the schedule is going to jump on them early. Baltimore-Pittsburgh, we, we, we just had Russell Baxter on talking about the best rivalry maybe of all time. And he said, I do want to talk about Packers-Bears. And he said Raiders-Steelers. Well, the Ravens and the Steelers, to me, is the best rivalry in football in the last 10 years. It's probably New England and somebody, but New England doesn't have any competition in the AFC East. Right? It was a joke. There's no one there. So who are the Patriots' rival? Eli Manning, who beat them twice? Denver? It wasn't anybody in the division. When you look at Baltimore and Pittsburgh, that's the best of the best. Troy Polamalo, you look at the great teams that we saw, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. It was unbelievable, that rival. Those two teams played. It was like 21-20, 16-13, a bloodbath. And the Raiders get them the first two weeks? Well-coached, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, <laughs> pretty good players all over the place in a culture of winning. The Raiders get them back-to-back on a short week. Short week. So they got to be ready to roll. I like getting Baltimore at home week one. I love it. It's going to be a madhouse in there. Absolute madhouse. I want to see Lamar Jackson play in that atmosphere in that game with that much insanity going on. If he plays great, you dip your gap. And then the Raiders got to go fly to Ben Roethlisberger's home opener in his final year. <laughs> That's going to be a tough place to play. But the Raiders don't have a weather in Pittsburgh. They don't have to play in a snowstorm. So that won't be the end of the world. So these are all topics we're going to be getting into 
Uh, Jerome in Vegas, thanks for calling on 920. What's happening? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Yeah, I got uh, the Raiders and uh, Tom Floyd. From, from Tom Floyd was an assistant until when the the Raiders had a winning head-to-head advantage over every other team in the NFL for 30 years. I'm well, losing Tom Floyd's been the whole thing. But they had a winning head-to-head advantage. The media and I were saying nothing about it. I heard it like, like 10, 15 years ago, and I heard it since. <laughs> so um, you're talking about the media and then talk about it. Yeah, that Tom Floyd deserves to be there 15, 20 years ago in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he does. Thanks for the call. We know that we all know that Tom Flores deserved to be in the Hall of Fame 10 to 15 years ago, and it's an injustice. And I'm happy that I was on the radio the entire time with the Raiders banging that drum. I had nothing to do with it in regards to the final decision. No one did. But the fact is, is that we all talked about it in the Bay Area, and we're talking about it now. So Tom Flores is the perfect human being to go in this late in life because he holds no bitterness. You know, all the times I've been around Coach Flores over the decades, he's not bitter about it. Disappointed, yeah. How would you like to be Coach Flores every year? Now all of a sudden in his early 80s, he's in and he wasn't in in his early 60s and 70s. It's an injustice. It was just awful that they did this. But he's getting a chance to do it now with his family and his grandkids and everybody there. And it's going to be a a tremendous celebration for everybody. And everybody, we're going to treat it that way. We're going to treat it that way. It's it's going to be a good offseason for the Raiders with this Woodson Flores thing going in. It really is, and the fact that the stadium's opening up for fans. So you add that in, the brand-new facility, training camp, some new players, Gus Bradley. I think there's a lot of optimism around here. And you wonder why I'm a cheerleader for the Raiders? How dare you? What do you want me to be? You want me to jump on the bandwagon and hate the team like the rest of the media? Is that what you want me to do? Would I give you more credibility if I said they sucked? That's what they're doing on ESPN every day when they rank them 28th. 28th. They're acting like Gruden and Mayock don't exist on ESPN. But they'll all be begging for Raider guests. They'll be begging to have a Raider guest on the if the Raiders come out and they're a playoff team. This is, I, I don't want to call it a level of disrespect because the Raiders have been disrespected before. We all know that. But this is a different level of disrespect in regards to heading into camp. This is not being acknowledged disrespect. You know, if they were up there doing stories on the Raiders and saying, you know, last year they could have been a 10-win team, an 8-win team, but they really were a 10-win team. But this year I expect them to take a step back, or I, I think they'll be the same. That's one thing. They're not talking about him. And there are a couple of knuckleheads on radio on certain networks that when they are out of content and they have nothing to talk about, then they just come up with some negative rate of propaganda. That's the way it's been for a while. So the only people that are left, it's like one of those gladiator movies. It really is like a Mel Gibson in Braveheart. You're all in it yourself. You want to be negative as crap about it, go ahead and do it. You're not going to hear that on this show. We are going to be highly critical of this team. Highly critical of this team if they don't get their act together and win. How could we not? We're going to do five days a week of radio. All of us. All the shows that we have here. But the thing that we're going to do is we're going to try to find what it's going to take for the Raiders to win games. Raiders aren't going into games down eight-point underdogs. They got Derek Carr at quarterback, Josh Jacobs at running back, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. 
They got three other receivers who can compete and start on other teams. They're going to be very good on offense, so that'll keep them in games. The question is, what type of move can this defense make if they stay healthy? If they stay healthy. Because this team often is not healthy. The offensive line is never healthy. That's not on Cable. Cable tries to get them healthy, but they've been a house of horrors with the offensive line trying to get that unit to play together. But this year, I think they have some super athletic defensive players. Jonathan Abram, who I have not been a big believer in because he just doesn't play. He's not available. I think that they they straightened him out from what I'm hearing, and they're trying to get him to another level quickly. It's decision time with John Abram, by the way. Okay? They got to get him going. I think that Trayvon Merrick is going to be great. Not good. Great. And then Casey Hayward, if he doesn't get hurt because he's an aging player, he should play every, every down. And then I like what they're going to do with Trayvon Mullen and his advancement. But the key to this team is going to be coming off the edge. Mad Max and Yannick Ngakwe on one side. They didn't get Melvin Ingram. He goes to Pittsburgh. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders got a cut player from another team, an edge rusher if available. And then the core of the defensive tackles got to be better. They got like 11 guys in camp. The two who make the team better be good because they're going to prove to everybody that they're going to be the two starters. So I'm encouraged there. I just got to see Littleton. I got to get out to practice next week. I'll be there all next week. I got to see what Littleton looks like and what everybody's saying. If Littleton turns out to play and he can go back to the level that he played with with the Rams, all of a sudden, you know, it's a different team. I mean, how many new guys you want? Excuse me, there's going to be a brand new defensive tackle. There's a new edge rusher in Ngakwe. There's a new corner in Hayward. There's a new safety in Merrig. Right there, depending on what they do at slot corner, five of your 11 starters on defense could be new. What'd you want, 11? You weren't going to get 11. They got guys under contract and guys who are pretty good. Oh, and Clee Farrell. What's he going to do? Love to know what he did in the offseason. I don't know. I don't know what he did. Is he going to come in? He always puts on muscle. If he can be explosive. You can have a point where you could have Clee Farrell, Yannick Ngakwe, and Mad Max on the defensive line, rushing the quarterback on third down. If those guys can't get home, sorry, dudes. I got nothing more. I got nothing left. If those guys can't get home and find a way to make a quarterback step up in the pocket and have to hurry because the coverage is better, if that can't happen, then we're back to last year. And I think it's going to happen. Our new sponsor is Five Iron Golf. I've been sending my friends there to see Kenny, the GM. They love it. It's got everything Eight track man golf simulators so you can work on your swing from three different camera angles. Club fitting lessons, and they use real clubs. The best of the best clubs. So when you hit it, you hit it pure into one of their golf simulators. The beauty of Five Iron is that it has something for everyone. If you're a serious golfer, you'll love it. Or if you just want to hang out, drink with your friends and hit some balls, it is perfect. But you got to get inside Area 15. Area 15, you got to check it out. Once you get in there, you'll see five iron golf and tell them I sent you and you'll get a $65 one hour free value in the simulator. So if you're into golf at all, take me up on that. Go into five iron, drop my name, JT, get in the simulator for an hour and just hit golf balls and look at yourself on film. And maybe you'll come up with something that'll change your golf game. Cause we all want to get better at golf or don't go play. Cause it is a pain in the ass. If you don't get good at it. 
Uh, coming up next uh, hour, Bill Huber will join us, Packers insider, as we'll be dripping in Aaron Rodgers' content because it's really the only thing to talk about in the NFL before camps open up. And we'll get into what happened with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis got his ring last night, and he did it in dominant fashion. He is one of the greats of all time instantly for that finals MVP. I'll tell you why as we continue. This is Raider Nation Radio. Your team stepped up off the field, too, donating millions of meals to families in need, helping Americans exercise their sacred right to vote, including at the Raymond James Stadium. Your stadium also became a, a, a lifeline for families in Tampa Bay this spring, administering nearly 200,000 vaccine shots. And y'all who don't have a shot, man, get one, okay? Amen. Get one, get one. Get one. And you're saving lives, helping us get back our lives and our loved ones. And I want to thank the NFL. That was the president when Tom Brady came. That was a big deal as the Buccaneers came to the White House. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. With us again for another year. Grimaldi's best pizza I ever had. Five locations in the Valley. Home of the $50 Grimaldi gift card. We'll be giving away one a week. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that this year. I was back in Florida. I was not eating pizza, but I'm back here, and my sons will growl through some Grimaldi's, I'm sure, at some point this week. So Tom Brady all of a sudden got political. That was interesting. He felt so uncomfortable supporting the former president that he took the Make America Great hat down from his locker room because everybody couldn't believe it that Tom and the former president were friends. They golfed a lot together. Pressure was too much on him. He took the hat down and never mentioned a word about his association with the former president. But he showed up at the White House cracking jokes with the new president. Very interesting to see how comfortable now Brady is in a political environment. And here are some of the jokes that Brady laid down. It didn't look great there. At one point, we were 7-5, and five, struggling a little bit, um, as the president alluded to. But we found our rhythm. We got on a roll. Not a lot of people, you know, think that we could have won. And... Um, in fact, I think about 40% of the people still don't think we won. I understand that. You understand that, Mr. President? I understand that. Yeah. Look at that. How about Tommy Brady going back and forth with the president on the theory of how who won and people don't pull? Tom Brady. This is very interesting to me because this is about as close as he's gone to the political bob wire fence that a lot of athletes completely avoid. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Derek Jeter. But I guess with the seventh ring, Brady is feeling really loose. We had a game in Chicago where I forgot what down it was. I lost track of one down in 21 years of playing. And they started calling me Sleepy Tom. <laughs> Why would they do that to me? I don't know. President said that. President's being a straight man. I don't know. Wow. Tommy Brady. Life is pretty good for the Bucks. They brought every single player back. Every single player back. First time in the modern era of the Super Bowl era that that's happened. They will be the team to beat. One more hour to go. Bill Huber from Green Bay on the update with Aaron Rodgers and Giannis Antetokounmpo winning last night.